A friend of mine once told me if it looks like a coup, smells like a coup, and sounds like a coup, maybe it is a coup. That's how you want to start today's episode? Really? Okay, yeah, everybody, that's Nathan, my great co-host. Hey, everybody. Today we're going to be... <laughs> today we're going to be talking about the recent happenings in Tunisia where President K. Said, uh, the president of Tunisia, uh, seems to have um, uh, orchestrated a power grab from the Prime Minister. To help us understand this is Abdallah Al-Wandawi, uh, international relations graduate and former intern at the Middle East Eye, a media house that focuses on Middle East and North African affairs. Abdallah Al-Wandawi. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for, for joining us, Abdallah. Um, we, you know, what's interesting is on my way when I was coming here before we did this recording, I was talking to a friend and they were asking me, hey, Nathan, what are you, what are you guys going to talk about on the podcast? And I was like, oh, the thing that's happening in Tunisia. And my friend was like, and I was like, my friend was like, wait, what? What's happening in Tunisia? And so it kind of led me to think like not many people know what's going on up there. Uh, so just for those that don't know, like don't know anything about Tunisia, uh, could you just briefly explain what exactly is going on there? Yeah, so um, Tunisia is um, a small, small Arab country uh, on the tip of North Africa. Mm -hmm. And about a week, a week ago, on the 25th of July, um, the president, Day Said, suspended parliament mm -hmm. and sacked the prime minister and invoked Article 80 of the Constitution. Okay. Now, um, a part of Article 80 of the Constitution, which is probably the most important part, says mm -hmm. that the president of the republic may take any measures due to exceptional circumstances after consultation with the head of government and the speaker of the assembly of mm -hmm. the representatives of the people, the speaker of the assembly of the representatives of the people is a speaker of the assembly. So okay. the, the, added extra, <laughs> the added extra, the added extra is basically the name of the Tunisian parliament. Okay. So they, okay. instead of calling it parliament, they call their institution the representatives of the people. Uh, mm -hmm. And he has so to inform that article allows people allows the president to use certain powers due to yeah. extraordinary circumstances in consultation with blah blah blah. Therefore, take power. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, and also in in the constitution, funnily enough, it says that he also has to inform the president of the constitutional court. Now, the problem with this is is that there is no constitutional court yet. Uh, and why why is there democracy what, and why is there no constitutional court? Sorry, I, I don't know if there's there hasn't there hasn't been um. So within the Parliament of Tunisia, mm -hmm. uh, there has there haven't there's been many deadlocks. In fact, in the ten years that uh, Tunisia has experienced democracy, uh, there have been ten different governments. Wow! And even and right now there has been a lot of political deadlock. Um, mm -hmm. So in you know over the past four or five years there has been a lot of political deadlock, and that has meant that the formation of a constitutional court really hasn't taken place because it has to happen in the legislature and mm -hmm. the, the people within the legislature, the MPs have to decide and nominate the judges to the constitutional court and set up the court. And that hasn't really, that hasn't happened. Um, mm -hmm. So the president who, again, funnily enough, before actually entering politics, he has no political experience prior to him being president. A bit he of a political in 2019. Yeah. yeah, he's a political outsider. He's an independent. He was a constitutional law professor. So... 
I mean, if there's anyone to manipulate a constitution, it's the guy that lives the constitution. He also had input <laughs> yeah. in actually drafting the constitution in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, because there's no one really, there's no one formally to criticise his move and to like assess what what he whether what he did was lawful or not. There can be some bendings of the There's law. no so constitutional like, court to, to test it as well. To, to test it, to test okay. it. So he can basically do what he likes in, in terms of invo- invoking Article 80. That's his trump card because there is no one to really say right. whether he can or whether he can't do this. So, yeah, he's imposed, he's, um, I mean, he has, to some extent, um, stuck by the Constitution in the sense that he can only enforce these measures for 30 days and he's only suspended Parliament for 30 days. So it remains to be seen whether after 30 days he will extend the suspension. But for now, it's he's suspended Parliament for 30 days. He, there was already a curfew because of due to uh, COVID-19, but he made, he brought the the curfew to longer hours. So from about um, 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., which is obviously ridiculously long. And yeah. that over the past couple of days has been changed back to COVID curfews to 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. I mean, you said, you said it yourself, if it looks like a queue and it smells like a queue, it might actually <laughs> be a queue. And, you know, plain clo- 30 plain clo- closed Tunisian police officers obviously raided and shut down Al Jazeera in Tunis, the capital of Tunisia. Oh. Um, and, you know, so there, ha- there has been things where you can, it's, it doesn't, it, there are there are there's an air of authoritarianism about um the oh, democratically elected president's moves all right so um like we just covered basically what just happened in the recent weeks tunisia you know the arab spring happened and for those that uh, maybe don't know i uh, forgot forgotten the arab spring was basically this um, mass revolution across most of uh, the Middle East and North Africa um, to various degrees some um, long-term authoritarian dictators were um, ousted in that including Tunisia in fact Tunisia the first one basically uh, just give us um, a background to this Tunisia is normally seen as the success story the democratic success story they got the Nobel I think one of the consortium of groups got Nobel a Nobel Peace Award for this um, you know move towards democracy and so on so uh, what like where where's how come Tunisia has reached this point? How how did it come about? Uh, I mean, the, the amazing thing is is like you said, you know, Tunisia is or supposed is supposed to be the success story. But we've you know, I mean, with and again, you know, although it was seen to be the success story, you know, it still had to you know pass hurdles. And like you know, a political scientist, one of his um, check, checks to see whether a country which you know a, a new newly born democracy will survive and not slide back into authoritarianism is to pass something called the two turnover test which is you know the handing over power democratically at least twice to different governments and that's happened and that's mm-hmm. happened in tunisia and you know for the past 10 years there have been it's 10 pretty- different governments and there have been free and fair elections Gay saeed is the, the the president of the country is a political independent the former interior minister who became prime minister hisham mishishi who's was obviously fired by place again an independent uh, and there are i think um, I think there are like nearly a dozen independents within Parliament. Right. Um, so there is genuinely a very open. Um, there's genuinely a very open political system, and there's a very open political culture. Um, mm-hmm. So the reason why I think it's got to this point really is because of the economy. So you know Tunisia's exports actually even tw- in 2010. So you know Arab Spring time before the Arab Spring were higher than today. So in in 2010 the exports of Tunisia were worth about 18 billion US dollars. Mm-hmm. And today they're worth 16 and a half billion US dollars. So wow. there has been not so they be a decline. Yeah. And in the past year as well, the in 2020, sorry, the economy of Tunisia shrunk by 8.6%. Reuters mm-hmm. say 
mm. in real terms. And in the first quarter of this year, again, um, the economy shrank by 3%. Um, there's been a lot between the president and the parliament. The president mm. wants more power and has tried to interfere more or assume more power with domestic policies, which is generally speaking more, you know, the, the prime ministers and the, um, the, the parliament's realm. And he's, you know, he's refused to appoint 11 new ministers since the turn of the year. So mm-hmm. there really has been political deadlock. And it's he has been open about the idea of more direct democracy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I didn't actually know. It just I just happened to be subscribed to The Economist. So they came in clutch. But this is apparently how they say would rather have democracy. So he would he suggests that Tunisians should elect local delegates based on their merit and not on their ideology. And these delegates would be would appoint regional representatives who would then appoint members of a national assembly rather than just voting MPs into parliament. It's very weird. Wait, wait, wait. So, sorry, sorry. Could you, could, you, could you say that a little bit slower? So he would I, I rather... Can, I can definitely he would that. rather have... He would, he would rather... I mean, he's... How do I put it? He's very... He's, he is quite authoritarian in some ways. I mean, I think okay. he's trying to shape the political culture of Tunisia. I mean, it's clearly obvious. I mean, he suspended parliament and he sacked the prime minister and he would then appoint... He intends to appoint a new prime minister mm-hmm. and he's been quite open and critical of a constitution that he had input in writing mm-hmm. and he would rather have rather than more representative democracy direct democracy so he would rather have people directly elect you know um delegates mm-hmm. and they would then form a national assembly which sounds quite similar to representative democracy yeah. to be quite honest but i think he would instead of basing things on ideologies, he'd rather just do away with political parties and okay. just directly elect people. Um, okay, okay. Which is and that's interesting because he's an independent different. and he was directly yeah. elected. Yeah, directly elected. Basically. He was an independent. Right. And mm-hmm. he's quite popular to begin yeah. with. That's, that's, that's the interesting that's the interesting um, part because uh, you mentioned about the you, you talked about the economy uh, mm. and how the economy has shrunk. And yet, it, to to an extent, it's more democratic than it used to be. So, dem- democracy mm-hmm. hasn't necessarily fixed fixed the economic problem no. of unemployment. And I'm assuming quite a lot of youth unemployment as well um, mm-hmm. in Tunisia. Because uh, leading on to this week, um, before this week, there seem to have been lots of protests. Uh, I'm not sure about whether they were violent or not, but there was lots of protests over the economy and pandemic control. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a popular move or not? You know, it's difficult to say, but if I'm coming quite honest, Saeed was elected with 73% of the vote. Wow. Um, and so, I mean, but the thing is, again, he was running against the guy who's in prison. So, you know, <laughs> take it or leave it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but I think a lot of young Tunisians also voted for him. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a telling sign. And it's because, again, he's not within the political class. And he was seen as someone who was quite incorruptible. He's seen as someone who is chasing and going after corruption and again okay you know the economy shrank but the democracy has improved but ultimately corruption hasn't you know declined really since mm-hmm. the fall of the regime democracy is not functioning uh, in corruption or improve yeah so you know if there is still you know corruption and then there is going there's not really going to be that much economic growth and you know you know pro- you know billions upon billions of billions of us dollars a, a year are lost worldwide worldwide mm-hmm. as a result mm-hmm. of corruption so right. the fact that it's still, you know, dictatorially corrupt, but democratic, you know, <laughs> the balance isn't there. And I think that because of that, a lot of, you know, Tunisians are fed up with the Inehda party, the largest political party in Tunisia, and other political parties as well. So they see this move as quite popular. 
he's seen as the independent guy outside the political class who will take on all the corruption. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's really why ultimately this move is kind of popular. But okay. at the same time, you know, it is kind of like this guy is a popular autocrat and we've seen this a thousand times. Mm-hmm. We've seen this in Peru, we've seen this in Germany. But yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that obviously that we're going, he will necessarily become an authoritarian, but it does look like Tunisia could become a little less democratic. Okay. There's been this argument as to is this a coup? Is this not a coup? Is this a coup? Is this not a coup? In your view, do you think this is a coup? I mean, for me personally, when somebody says a coup, like I'm used to people with AK-47s walking in on, on <laughs> in front of a camera being like, yeah, we've yeah, taken, taken over, over the radio station. We have taken over this country. Therefore, <laughs> so it's, I'm like, oh, that's a pretty weird coup. But yeah, do you think this is a, a coup in, in your view? or It's like it's a coup from the inside. If you can call it that, because okay. again, another problem is he suspended Parliament for 30 days. Parliament could come back in, well, it's been a week now, so Parliament could come back in about three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so it's really too soon to really comment on whether it's a coup. It's, mm-hmm. And I so think, far, some, I think some I, Middle Eastern countries have, haven't called it a coup yet. I think uh, Saudi Arabia and the UAE seem to have sort of just said, okay, it's an internal issue. We're going to support them. We have confidence. The AU hasn't said anything yet. So officially, I mean, no one is, is cool. Middle Eastern countries can't comment on democratic systems. Um, they have the right to, and it'd be far too ironic. So if, mm-hmm. if Saudi Arabia says this is a good thing, it, it, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the best endorsement. And if it's a bad thing, then again, it's not the best endorsement because it's, it's Saudi Arabia. They're not the bastion of democracy. So, you know, other, with other Middle Eastern countries either criticizing it or not is not irrelevant, but just empty in terms of, you know, how do I put it, the authenticity of what they're saying. Because at the end of the day, you know, Tunisia was a democratic country and still is a democratic country, really. I mean, there is nothing to say that there has, that, that the parliament will resume. Um, and again, this is still a young democracy. So... Uh, things will have their challenges. I mean, countries do have their challenges early on in in in, in their democracies. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I it's too early. It's far too early to really give an opinion. But what I can say is, you know, if you're if if the president of your country is assuring the country that he's not going to become a dictator, if you know police officers have stormed Al Jazeera, if you know if there's literally military guarding the parliament, and you know, you know the speaker of the speaker of the parliament is, is you know shouting you know, to, to not shouting, but like to asking, you know, to be let back in into, you know, a democratic institution. Mm. It's for now, it seems, you know, very sketchy. And, you know, at the beginning, obviously, there was a longer curfew. Public gatherings are banned uh, in excess of three people and still are banned in excess of three people. Um, so and what's the reason for those gatherings? Is it COVID-19 or? It could be a pretext, but at the same time, I don't really know how accurately they're being enforced because at the end of the day, tens of thousands of people ride the main streets of Tunisia to celebrate. To celebrate Qais Saeed and his, you know, and him dissolving parliament. So I don't really know how how well this is being enforced, but that's a rule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so basically, um, in the general um, geopolitics of things, um, why why is this? How critical is this for the success for the success stories of the Middle East um, post Arab Spring? And what? How does this um, affect the Middle East or North Africa? And how does it have a potential to, de- to destabilize the region? Uh, what does it mean for North Africa? Um, you know, what's your what's your take on that? 
I don't really think it has a means to destabilize the region. Well, I mean, the region is destabilized. I mean, no one can really say that Libya is not. Because it is a bit of a symbol. Is a symbol of the post democracy. Yeah, region. yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So how does yeah, what 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 does this mean for uh, post Arab Spring, North African, Middle East? Well, I mean, if, if Tunisia was to slide back into autocracy, then there would be no more democracy in the Middle East and North Africa. There would be no democratic Arab nation. So that there's that. So in that sense, it's symbolic. In, however, having said that, Tunisia itself is a middle power. It's not. It's the smallest North African uh, Arab country. It's, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, its exports is the 77th largest exporter, 77th largest exporting nation in the world. It's, so it's not really, you know, it's not really a powerful country. It's not, you know, it's not the it's not the superpower or the or the the regional power, uh, like say Saudi Arabia or Egypt. So um, yeah, it's more. I think it's more symbolic. Um, but I think also, you know, symbolic. I think I think it's more symbolic than anything else. I don't. I say that because I don't. I think that if Tunisia was to become an authoritarian regime, first of all, Kaysaid is quite popular. There is so, that draw towards really... authoritarianism, though. Like, they, I, I, I think I read an article where there's some political parties that um, in Tunisia that were, um, sort of had this nostalgia of the Ben Ali era. Perhaps maybe yeah. things done that yeah. whole ability of democracy tends to just bring up deadlock, and maybe K, um, K Said with his, you know, this sort of allure of a semi-strong man, mm -hmm. just simply. Mm -hmm. um, you know, unwinding the knots that democracy tends to find itself in. Is that is that something that perhaps could be rele relevant assessments in... in, in, in yeah, that is definitely all accurate, especially because, again, you know, since Arab, the Arab Spring, you know, economically, the country really hasn't improved at all. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, some people say that they're struggling even more. And, mm -hmm. you know, within the interior, which is where, you know, the Arab Spring started in the neglected regions of the country, um, in places like uh, Tatooine, um, fun fact: Tatooine is named after is as actually Tatooine in Star Wars is named after Tatooine. Yeah, <laughs> really. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, where, that's where, I was like, wait, wait, that's where, what? Because that's, that's where they filmed Bob the scenes in Tatooine. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Luke Skywalker is an Arab. Um, <laughs> sorry, someone, sorry, Skywalker is Arab, guys. Exclusive. Uh, yeah. so like you know just just a, just a fun fact i mean he's literally from the desert uh in, in north africa so um <laughs> so yeah um yeah the, the interior regions really haven't you know seen improvement so mm -hmm. as a result you know a lot of people are like things haven't improved um mm -hmm. and I, I again yeah um the economist reported as well that there are a lot of like you know senior elites that are like no well, let's just go back to authoritarianism and it's like well mm -hmm. first of all ben ali is dead he died two years ago so good luck finding a new guy mm -hmm. uh, i mean they might have been like they say but like yeah it's it's um i think again i think this is the struggles of a young democracy is that i think the people have to you have to prove that democracy works at the end of the day you can't just like scream democracy and you know right. to use zenge's work have a you know large large kumbaya <laughs> um, you know, you, ha you have to have to do work. You have to, you know, root out corrupt practices, and you have to be transparent. And mm -hmm. there isn't there isn't really transparency and it, it, within the political system. Of course, you know, for example, uh, the prime minister for Hisham Shishi uh, was was made to resign because of his um, links and ties with public contracts. So there is, ah, there, is some, okay. there is there is there is you know some yeah. public transparency, but it's clearly not enough. And and what has been the risk? Because you said he fired the prime minister, right? Yeah, the president fired this prime minister, 
and the, the, the prime minister is elected by the parliament, right? Parliament, parliament, Who is yeah, elected by the people? PM. Representative democracy. No, no, no. but yeah, it's the the, the PM is, uh, is elected in parliament. Okay, and the parliament yes. is elected yeah. by the people. Hey guys, time for a quick break. Uh, the song you're listening to is called Yali by Balti. Uh, make sure to check it out on uh, Spotify or whatever streaming platform you use. Make sure to give us a quick like. Make sure to give us a quick follow. Make sure to share this to anybody that's interested. And also check out our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at Africa for Dummies. Uh, you can send us any questions or any topics you'd like us to cover and uh, yeah back to the show um i'm just trying to figure out what has the response been from the current or should i say just fired uh prime minister well um so <laughs> Reportedly by Middle East, actually, he was. I mean, again, sources told the Middle East, but nothing, no one can really confirm because Mashishi hasn't been seen in public since um, since he's been fired. Only um, the head of uh, the, the Speaker of the Parliament, Rashid Ghanoushi, who's the leader of the Anahda Party, has really been seen. Um, yeah, but like, Anahda, uh, but so for those that um, don't know, the Anahda Party is a mostly conservative uh, political party that was sort of underground during the ten years. Is, is that the main opposition political party, or yeah, yeah it's the main opposition. I, yeah. I don't know how conservative they are. Um, yeah. I think there are more conservative parties in Tunisia, but mm. they are the largest party. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what has been? Uh, so you said that the prime minister hasn't been seen. He's just been quiet right now. Yeah. And well, what has been? I mean, he's he's apparently made a, he's made a statement saying that he's happy to accept. The, uh, the president's new appointment. However, okay. Emmy Middle East I um, have been told that he was he did actually meet with the um, the president. Mm -hmm. No one has seen him. No one can confirm. Okay. Um, okay. So most media outlets um, have just you know the Economist as well has just said that you know Mashishi has released a statement saying that he would not be a disruptive element. Okay. Um, you know when it comes over to the new handover of uh, of power. Mm -hmm. regarding his position as PM. Mm -hmm. and other, other, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that was it. That was I was going to talk about, you know, um, yeah. you know, six six of twelve, six of the twelve of Tunisia's leading um, parties have have condemned this and called this a coup. And this has come from like a spectrum of of um the spe the whole political spectrum really. So you know Marxist Leninist Leninist parties, yeah. his uh have condemn this um mm -hmm. you know the centrist liberal uh el jamhuri again have mm -hmm. condemned this and then so social democratic parties yeah social democratic parties have condemned this and then the Anahda Keltunis and the Qarama party have all again condemned this so mm -hmm. yeah so uh, all political all political parties are because you said this guy is an independent right? most most yeah most have condemned it is there Some any political have, party that's with them I don't know of any that have supported it, but some yeah. others have simply voiced potential concerns for the move and are opting to see how this plays out. Okay. okay. You know the precarious situation because he's an independent and uh, the majority of political parties aren't supporting him. Uh, so when you look at it and, 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 and you kind of figure out how he's going to go through this, who's on his side, yeah. who's actually on his side. 
Yeah, because there's always, I mean, the, I mean, again, independence, normally, if there's strong gatekeeping within the political parties, it's difficult for independence. And if the political parties support you, like, and they supported Faisal Saeed, you know, for, for president. So, you know, he had he had that endorsement. Um, but now he doesn't have the endorsement of the Anahda party right now, um, nor the biggest parties in Tunisia. So it's definitely interesting. However, he's the, the president has captured the hearts of a lot of the people of Tunisia. So, and the Anahda party and others are seen as corrupt. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it could be seen as people in president, people in, you know, Strong man. It's sort of like a representative of the people yeah. who's, you know, ignoring the political establishment. Yeah. Fighting against the political establishment, rather. I mean, he's seen as he's seen as someone who's fighting against the political establishment and corruption. Mm. And, you know, but people still have their doubts as to not maybe his authenticity, at least not yet, but largely his legitimacy of his actions. If... Pardon? I'm saying so. In in this case, it could be kind of framed like the legitimacy. His legitimacy is coming through the popularity of his actions. Yeah, mm. yeah, for sure. Um, again, that's what I'm saying because I, I, you know he was endorsed by the largest uh, political parties when you know he was running for president, etc. But now he doesn't have their support. However, he's popular, so you know mm. maybe gatekeeping uh, as has failed here or, or won't work in this sense now because the political parties are seen as you know. You know, corrupt and a lot of people obviously like face and he's in power now that's what's most important he's now in power you know mm-hmm. um so yeah he's he's taken over he has the ability to make this country authoritarian if he wants to probably mm-hmm. yeah. that's worrying. Uh, um, we, we we touched on the economy and unemployment and uh, the political impasse that led to this situation and often i think uh, most media outlets particularly non-middle uh, eastern and North African media outlets try to factor in the secularism and the religious elements of the uh, Middle Eastern politics. So in this situation, um, I mean, during the Ben Ali era, the fallen dictator in 2011, the Enada party, which is, as you said, the biggest opposition party, uh, to to quite a, to quite an ex, to quite a large extent was conservative, right? And they were underground, and Ben Ali sort of ran this somewhat secularist um uh, uh, ruling class so now they they came into power right and now they're out is that fit is that correct um how does that factor into um um ksi is he a secular man or is he conservative where does he stand on that dichotomy you know i'm it's he's i the thing is he's been he's he's liked by everyone he's liked by you know, those who would like to see, you know, um, Islam sprinkled into the politics. He's liked by young people. He's liked by leftists, you know, so he's liked by a spectrum of people and he represents people, the people of Tunisia. He doesn't really, you know, he's not seen as someone who has favours, uh, favours um, necessarily the left or maybe, you know, those who are more conservative. Um, but I think, you know, yeah, um, during the Ben Ali era and, you know, before him in, in Habib's era, you know, they were largely, you know, very um, internal. They were internalized Islamophobes. I think that's the easiest way to put it. You know, for example, Habib uh, on national television Ramadan would during the day drink, not drink alcohol necessarily, but drink and then encourage other people not to fast. You know, and this is, you know, it's a Muslim country. Like it's not. Um, so and so it's it's these things that, you know, there are, again, reports that even today there is a little bit of internalized Islamophobia. Like, for example, there were perhaps heavier restrictions on mosques. 
uh, during the COVID era, uh, during the pandemic. Uh, but has, has had historical reputations of being more, um, being more of the secular. I'm saying just for the the listeners, Tunisia has had this more this reputation of being the more secular um, uh, state mm-hmm. um, region compared to its neighbors and. Well, I mean, perhaps, I don't know, because, for example, Libya isn't really, doesn't really have a functioning government, so I have no idea what their constitution would look like. I mean, historically, uh, it could, generally. I'm it could look... Um, religious secularism. I don't know. Again, I mean, today, for example, I mean, the president has to be a Muslim. Mm. Uh, apostasy is illegal. Mm. So, you know, in terms of, you know, the religious aspects... Yeah, I, I'd say you know there's there's I, I'd say that there are definitely religious aspects in 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 the government today. You know, mm-hmm. um, homosexuality is illegal, etc. So you know there's there's definitely you know there's definitely religious aspects in in the government today. Whether it, the the man in charge faces secular uh, or that it's hard to. But again, you know what does secular mean in politics? It's different yeah, to yeah, in real yeah. life. You could be a religious guy and then secular in your politics. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. this is you know the um, the you know Angela Merkel is the leader of the Christian Democratic Party. No one's questioning her secularism, her Christian values. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know this um, this secular you know or Islamist thing is very Orientalist largely, and mm. is you know is 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 is, is, is Islamophobic in nature. It's genuinely you know just a you know just Europe. I don't want to not necessarily Europeans, but non-Muslims. You know, just focusing on how the Muslim or the Arab world operates in you know a very um, box, um, in a very boxed manner, like okay, Islamic, secular. There's no in between. You know, there's no. There's the people are a monolith, etc. It's difficult. I mean, again, like I said, at the end of the day, Qais Saeed attracted those who are religious, those who weren't religious, etc. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Lastly, I just want to ask a general one for our listeners, those who are more familiar with Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, why should people be interested in Tunisia and why is this an important event for the continent and for the world in general? Uh, I mean, I think it's perhaps an important event for the continent, perhaps, because obviously Arabic is the most commonly spoken language in Africa Mm -hmm. and the North African region is the largest part. And obviously Egypt is probably one of the most powerful countries in in Africa, um, as is Morocco. So this for the within the arab world obviously losing a democratic state is symbolic and because of that it's potentially symbolic for the rest of africa i think a question we like asking people because we are very interested in solutions rather than simply complaining if you were president of tunisia right now what would you do yeah (laughs) even everything that has Um, happened i I don't think i don't think he's listening to anybody else right now what would i do i don't again the thing is is that he is a constitutional law professor with absolutely no political background okay. and he's come to power and he said X, Y, Z. Um, it's, that's probably, the, that's a really difficult question to ask. Yeah. <laughs> 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 There's no warning as well, no prep. Um, mm. it's, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, I don't, at the end of the day, you know, if we're talking about assessing what so he's would done. You, would you hire the ex-prime minister back? Would you call for a big, conference for mm-hmm. everyone to sit down on a campfire and say okay let, let's say what i wouldn't have done for sure i i don't think i would have you know sent 20 plainclothes police officers and stormed media outlets you know that's mm-hmm. sus yeah. um do you know what i mean mm-hmm. these things you know things like this is are, are sus mm-hmm. uh, are very suspect um mm-hmm. so there are 
there definitely has been the, but the thing is prior to Gay Saeed you know dissolving parliament is there has been huge political deadlock and there has been huge dis- dissatisfaction what do you think like in our country we usually have these things I think Gazengif mm-hmm. can correct me if I'm wrong they're called Inda but like where you have all the political players the president and opposition leaders and they sit down and they kind of iron out their their differences you just come together conference so do, to you, do you think that that's feasible in this situation i think so still yes i don't see why not um mm-hmm. because again the political culture in tunisia prior to this is quite good i mean at the end of the day they were the only success story in the arab spring mm-hmm. you know and they did things very they did things well i mean one of the things that you can compare tunisia with, with egypt is is how they set up their government so for example in egypt they ran before they could walk Mm-hmm. as soon as Morsi was uh, as soon as there was democracy came on constitution whereas in Tunisia they waited a bit the constitution was established in 2014 after they could get the ball rolling with some kind of political culture and see w- what kind of rules they could stick by so you know they they, they there was you know there the was one was more cosmetic that's what you're saying compared to the yeah uh, this is this is more holistic and at the end of the day there was good political culture where you know there was power sharing at the beginning between some ex-Ben Ali people and you know um new political parties that were allowed to come out of hiding, you know, like Rashid Ghanoushi, the head of the Anahda party, was, you know, in political exile until Ben Ali fell and then he was able to return to the country. And, you know, he works with people who, you know, were once his enemies, once wanted him out of the country. And this was accepted by the people. Um, so, in my opinion, Tunisia has been through uh, more authoritarian times in the sense that, or more authoritarian transition times. Whereas in those moments, it was sliding towards democracy in this instance it's sliding in uncertainty at minimum at worst sliding towards more authoritarianism so although you know there are more there are more democratic political parties today that are more established mm-hmm. it's because the person in charge is right now obviously acting in a very unpredictable manner mm-hmm. um that i think is what's the most you know the problematic part is that i think what if you know perhaps if the president was to you know the president calls the shots right now if the president wanted to he could he could he could sit down with with the democ with with the parties of tunisia mm-hmm. the 24th of august is essentially results day that's when yeah. you know where the country is headed if if gay said hold on a bit longer you can you can perhaps have a good idea where where this is going if he parliament comes back then maybe you know they're just going to get a telling off um, by him Yeah. Um, so it's really, know, it's really quite uncertain and more of a, a waiting game for the next few weeks. I think so. I think so because, again, like I said, because the, right now the person who is calling the shots is the president, and mm-hmm. the more demo- democratic. It's so hard to really, you know, because again, Gais was democratically elected, and right. he's he's used a constitutional article to do what he's done, and then simultaneously, you know other democratic uh, democratically elected parties according to the queue so it's very you can nuance it a little bit but at the end of the day of course this is this is authoritarian in in, in lots of ways at the end of the day, there's no constitutional court to assess what he's done um you know and you know he's he's attacked the media and today as well you know he's he's I mean, uh, or th- in the in today or the in the in the hours he's gone to like leading banks and he said he's tried to influence you know free market and said you know lower your interest rates he's told banks to lower their interest rates um as much as they can you know and normally when presidents interfere in the economy what happens is you know the the currency just drops because mm. foreign investors lose confidence in the economy because mm. now they think that the president is meddling and that could be unpredictable 
because they can't rely on free market anymore. So, you know, there are elements here where you can definitely say it is authoritarian. And right now, of course, therefore, the country is more authoritarian, but things could slide back to democracy or more democratic uh, norms come 30 days time. Um, so, yeah, but I think I think Gase wants the country to be a little less democratic. I think he wants to have more power. I, just, I think that to me, that's quite clear. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd just like to say thanks to Abdullah for, for joining us. And uh, thanks, as always, by my co-host as well. And uh, thank you, listeners, for listening to this um, to this episode uh, about Tunisia. I've learned quite a lot about Tunisia from this uh, from this episode. Some of them were actually questions from some of my friends, actually. Uh, basically, through me, I was just asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, basically. So that's... Um, that was uh, really, really great. And uh, to all of our listeners, just on behalf of all of the dummies here, thank you. Thank you so much, Abdullah, for joining us. You're welcome, Nathan. You're welcome, Zengi. And see you guys next time. <laughs> Smash it.